Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in the great American city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. And my name is Kyle Heggie. And on today's episode, we are going to dive into a local election, uh, a specialty of Bridge the City. And this local election is for city comptroller. And if you were like me a few weeks ago, I didn't even know what the city comptroller did. And I think that speaks to the importance of this episode is that there are so many locally elected offices that play an outsized role in in our day-to-day lives that we A, don't know what they do, and two, don't know how to get involved uh, with with the campaigns or with the current uh, incumbents to ensure that you know, our voices are being heard throughout government and throughout the city. And so I hope this episode can inform you on what the city comptroller does, but two, really how you can get involved in the role of city comptroller, whether that is in a campaign or in the actual governments and day-to-day running of the city. And to discuss these two questions is Alex Brower. Alex is running for city comptroller Um, And he's running, in his words, a very vigorous campaign with some really interesting proposals that, uh, you know, in his words, would allow everyday Milwaukeeans to take more control in the economic decision making here in the city of Milwaukee. And so we were really honored to be able to sit down with Alex on this episode. The two action steps I want to put right in front so they're on your mind. His website is voteforalexbrower.org. Again, Bridges City does not endorse candidates, but if you're interested in what Alex has to say on this interview and you want more information, that is the place to go to either canvas, get more involved in the campaign, or learn about more of his policy proposals. And finally, the number one action step probably all time for Bridges City is myvote.we.gov. Please, please, please make sure that you're registered to vote. Make sure your friends are registered to vote. Make sure your address is up to date. You know, local elections critically matter. And I think you're going to hear on this episode how much, how important city comptroller election is. And in order to ensure that these really powerful positions that affect your day-to-day lives, to ensure that you have a say in, in who's running that and in, in the way they're running that, uh, we need to make sure that we're voting, uh, among many other things, but voting is a foundational piece of that. So myvote.we.gov. With that being said, I will let Alex take it from here, and I hope you enjoy the interview. My name is Alex Brower. Uh, I am, I've been a leader in the credit union movement for almost 14 years. I uh, am a uh, president of a union and I'm an educator. Uh, I work right now for Milwaukee Public Schools as a substitute teacher. So what I'm doing though is uh, I am like a lot of teachers across this country. I'm running for office and who are running for office and winning and I'm, I'm doing the same thing. We're, uh, we're looking to make change at City Hall and to challenge the power of the corporations and the status quo. I'm running for city comptroller for the uh, spring of 2020 elections. Love it. So there's a few things I want to get into. First is maybe mm-hmm. a little bit of your background. That's... Um really interesting that you've been leading the credit union movement. Can you kind of talk about what got you into that 
fields mm-hmm. um, and how that translates to I'm going to run for city comptroller. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a really good question. Well, I've been um, a fighter for working people for a long time. Um, when I was younger and I lived in Jefferson, that's a, a town outside of Madison where I grew up, um, there was a strike at a uh, pepperoni plant that's actually now the plant is closed, but there was a strike there. The workers at that plant um, it was owned by Tyson Prepared Foods. The workers at that plant were on strike for almost an entire year. And so that was really formative for me as far as becoming class aware and wanting to help it fight for working people just to see that solidarity. Um, and so those workers, I was always connected with that group of workers ever since I was standing on the picket line with them. I was, you know, nobody in my family worked at that plant. I didn't have any connection, but I wanted to be a part of of what was going on. So I was standing on the picket line with them, got connected. And then at, um, at a, uh, in 2010, I got hired um by the credit union that serves the workers at that plant. Hmm. So it was actually through through worker organizing that I got connected to the credit union right. movement. And I had been a volunteer at that credit union for a few years before that. Um, but then I got hired as the um, basically the number two at that credit union. And so I worked there for... Um, until the spring of 2015, I was an employee there part-time slash full-time at different times, filling in, doing all kinds of stuff there. And so that's when I really got into, you know, thinking about how does finance affect us? Mm -hmm. You know, I'd always, I'd always had a, a critical lens of the, of what we now call the richest 1% and the banking, you know, the banking infrastructure that that runs our, the finance in our economy. Um, But really looking at the credit or working at the credit union um, allowed me to really see the intricacies of how that plays out into everyday regular people's lives. So, so I've been interested in how finance works and how, um, how we can change it and democratize it and make it better. And so that's one of the reasons when this position of city comptroller, a labor leader suggested it to a group that I'm involved in that we find somebody to run for that seat. And when I saw that on a piece of paper uh, a little bit more than a year ago, I was like, this is, this is what we need to do. Right. This so, is what I need to do. So let's talk about that because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are unfamiliar with what a city comptroller even does. Mm-hmm. So, what what is the roles and responsibilities of the city comptroller and then we'll kind of break down what you would hope to do with that position yeah the so city the city comptroller is the financial watchdog for the city so if you think about like where money like physically goes in the city um the city treasurer uh who is spencer Coggs currently uh the city treasurer's office collects the taxes so some so they collect taxes, they do disbursements. The city comptroller monitors that financial activity. Hmm. So the city comptroller's office doesn't, you know, go out and assess a property, but what it does is make sure that all the money that's being collected and being spent is being done in accordance with what it, the where it's supposed to be going, basically. And hmm. so it's a financial watchdog. The actual etymology of the word, I believe, comes from, um, I believe it comes from a French term, but I think it comes from counter role. Hmm. So like, you, you know, you'd have a scroll with like a ledger of what's happening financially and then another one. And so that person who holds the other, who holds the counter scroll, uh, somehow that metamorphosed into comptroller. Interesting. So that's, that's what that role is. Uh, in the corporate world, they're generally called controllers. Sometimes they're spelled like con- controller um, or spelled like comptroller, but pronounced controller in the city at the city of Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, I know. Also, oh, yeah. fr- a French lesson here for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I know, right? No, but it, uh, um, but for you know, in the city of Milwaukee, it's it's spelled and pronounced comptroller. Okay, so that's what that office is. So, in, as far as the actual nuts and bolts, um, 
I did actually let me nerd out for your listeners yes, here. here. I did actually. Go. I brought the part of the city charter, uh, chapter three, which is duties and um, authority of city officers. And so the comptroller does. It has several main components. It has to issue a big statement every. It comes out in the summer um, called the Comprehensive Annual Financial Report. So that's one of the main duties is is looking at all the city's finances and digesting it into a what amounts to like a 50 to 60 page document of here's where all the money is. There you go. Decision makers. Right. So that's one of the big things they do. They also run. They also manage the accounting systems um, and like all the accounting practices for the city, even though um, I should back up a little bit, you know, in the past that would have been on a more city by city basis. Mm-hmm. There's actually now a federal um, non federal level nonprofit called the Governmental Accounting Standards Board oh. that standardizes a lot of this stuff. So that's good. Right. <laughs> like you know those things should be standardized. Yeah. Those practices. So we will be. So the, the so the fact that it runs the accounting systems or yeah manages what the accounting the accounting methods um, mm-hmm. has less to do with like the direction specifically of the office than maybe in the past. Okay. But, um, it also uh, runs all the payroll systems um, and uh, manages the city's debt program. Okay. So yeah, that's kind of a long answer. No, that's Sorry great. That. Wonderful. <laughs> so something you said is here you go. Decision makers, like you're mm-hmm. looking at it, you present, this is where the money mm-hmm. is going or has gone. And so when I hear the description of a city comptroller, I think of something that's like, um, like you don't have a lot of sway over like where money goes. You're just telling people this is where it is going or has gone. So what kind of powers mm-hmm. does the city comptroller have that maybe haven't been used in the past or yeah. like how would you and your uh, ideology of how a city should be run, how would that affect your duties as city comptroller? Yeah, no, exactly. Well, we're going to be doing what's required in the, in the city charter. Right. For that's what the, yeah, I know. Right. I mean, that's, and, uh, But what I want to do with this office and what I think should be done is this office should be a leadership position as well at City Hall. So if you look at other elected comptrollers around the country, they're doing all these things. And and actually, other comptrollers have very similar duties around the country. They're doing all these requirements. But in addition to that, they are advocating for policy Mm. as well. And so what we want to do with the comptroller's office is turn it from just something that's something that's doing more than just the minimum of what's required in the city charter and actually advocating for policy as well. There is no position at city hall that can unilaterally make and implement decisions. So even um, now, you know, a member of the common council might have like a specific legal authority to introduce a, um, a charter change mm-hmm. or, a, or an ordinance. They might have the specific legal authority, but like they can't just implement that themselves right. and neither can the mayor. So what we're looking at is, is saying, okay, there's these leadership positions at city hall. They should be all of these positions and every elected position, in my opinion, should be advocating for working people all the time. So what I'm also doing in addition to trying to do these duties that are in the city charter better than what's being done right now, mm-hmm. what we're going to do is also advocate for policy. And what would some of those policies be? Yeah, there's four things that we're looking to um, that we're looking to do with our office. We're looking to increase accountability and transparency at City Hall is the first thing. Um, we're looking to support public schools. I'll go into each of these in detail yeah. when I'm done. But we're looking to support public schools is the second thing. Um, we are looking to establish a public bank is the third thing, and the fourth thing we're looking to advocate for is for the city to replace. We energies with a municipal utility. So those are those are the four main policy 
ideas that I'm proposing and will spend a lot of time on as the city comptroller to, to make sure they get implemented. But uh, we're a movement-based campaign. So we're going to be advocating for all kinds of things that movements are demanding and regular people are demanding. Mm-hmm. One of the, an example of that is one of the things that I'm supporting is a campaign called Liberate MKE, which seeks to divest um, $25 million from the city's police department and invest it in things like affordable housing, mental health services, and other community-based programming that whose goal is to actually lower the need for police in the city. So, right. I'm, but I'm supporting that. As yeah. Well. So yeah. the one thing of those four that stood out to me was replacing we energies with a municipal utility, like publicly owned utility. Yeah. Um, go into that more. That's something yeah. that really pops out. I'm assuming that's something that other candidates aren't really running on. Um, and I'm curious on have other cities done that and what is, uh, that looked like. After. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good question. The um, it is controversial, <laughs> but uh, but a hundred percent achievable mm-hmm. and not not impossible. The comptroller's office is going to have a hand in that, by the way. So the comptroller managing the debt program and managing all these financial projections and how this stuff is going to look will have will be seating at the table for a transition like I'm proposing to a municipal utility. So basically, but the concept of that is, you know, right now we energies provides everybody in the city with with its electricity um, and natural gas as well. Um, what I am proposing is that uh, we have a government-owned provider for those things. Uh, there is a chapter um, of the state statutes, chapter 197, that provides the process for the city to do that. And you might think, why should we do that? Why do we need another government thing, right? Well, um, I think it's been apparent to a lot of people in this city that We Energies isn't being a good corporate citizen and isn't what Milwaukee wants. I mean, I have yet to find somebody when I'm knocking on doors who thinks that who is not in favor of this, just by the way. Now, the I'll, I'll contrast that with the political class, which is in some ways afraid of them and are, is worried about my political future because I'm standing up to them. But when I talk to regular people, nobody has been... Um, opposed to this idea. In fact, it's they're like ecstatically for it. So what this would mean is that regular Milwaukeeans would have a say in things like what our power rates are. Um, when we, um, what kind of programming we, programming we run as far as um, low income households and how much they pay for electricity. Cause there are, there's programs that exist, but we could have more say right. over that. We would have more say over things like when people's electricity gets shut off and what at what point that happens. Um, those are all decisions that a, that a provider can make. Um, and most importantly, we would have a decision about the source of our energy. Hmm. Um, I'm a fan and a supporter of the Green New Deal, uh, which is controversial. Um, but I really think that we need to do something uh, drastic to to change the way our system is working so that we can reduce our impact of, of carbon pollution. Um, and as simple as that. And so if we have a municipal utility, one of the main things we can do besides hopefully lowering utility bills is to have, is to set a goal and work towards achieving hundred percent renewable energy. Hmm. And I think we can, you know, if we, if we are at the steering wheel, we can make that decision right. as soon as we want to. So, what I'm hearing a lot of, you've mentioned terms class, solidarity, working class, political class. <laughs> yes. Um, and these are terms that I think have become more popular in the American lexicon, at least since I've been alive. 
um, but I always have played a role. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go on your Twitter, you'll see a little uh, red rose as well. <laughs> yes, you will. Um, yeah. And you'll see those popping up on the timeline all the time. Um, I'm assuming that's the the demo the DSA. Uh, that's yes. their that's their logo essentially. Mm-hmm. So go into one what the DSA is, and mm-hmm. two what is the DSA's role for local candidates? How does that you know? How do you um, take the DSA's kind of ideology and apply it locally? Yeah. So the um, so yeah, I'm I'm running as a Democratic Socialist for this office. Uh, I am a member of DSA, Democratic Socialists of America, Milwaukee's chapter. Uh, I think it's uh, dsawi.org for the listeners if they want to head over there. But it, uh, um, the Democratic Socialists of America is an organization that is advocating for socialism. And what that means to me is that we have regular people in control of the systems of our economy. That's what that means to me, that the, that the people who create wealth uh, decide how that wealth is used and our economic decisions are made democratically. That's how I would define socialism. And we certainly don't have that in America right now. And right. I think it would only enhance what the United States is all about if we did practice that. Um, but so DSA is the organization that um, encouraged me to run. And, and I was a part of their electoral working group. Uh, that was the organization that was suggested, Hey, by someone to, Hey, you should look for somebody to run for this office. And hmm. so that, uh, that was, it was really been the genesis of this whole thing. Um, the DSA, uh, and that little, that flower on my Twitter, that, uh, you know, the rose or the carnation has been a symbol for, you know, leftism for centuries. And that's hmm. the DSA has adopted that right. as well. And so that's what's, that's what you're talking about specifically <laughs> on my Twitter. Um, what other questions did you have about yeah, DSA? Yeah, so how does the DSA ideology affect how you perceive of like local issues? Yes, well, I mean, as somebody who identifies as a socialist and who believes in democratic control, the first place we can start with that is local office. And the first place we can start with is the, the spaces that are most immediately affecting us, our communities. It doesn't have to be government, but it could just be our local communities that are affecting us. That's the first place that we can exercise and practice democracy. So... Um, you know, no local office cannot, uh, you know, implement uh, a, a complete transformation of our system. But what we can do is start to begin to practice democracy. And mm-hmm. so that's and that's specifically why I'm advocating for the things that I'm advocating for in my uh, platform, because those are things that the city can do legally right now that can begin to implement democracy in our economy. And that's, I think, something we need to fight for. It won't be able to make a complete transformation, but it'll be able to do something. Um, so yeah, so that's what I think as far as, as far as local office, that's why it's important. And that's why DSA is uh, concerned about who sits in local offices. Right. And so obviously Bridges city, we have a big focus on local office. So this is perfect and mm-hmm. local issues. Um, but there's a lot of different local offices for people to pay attention to. Yeah. And people have limited bandwidth um, and they have to go about their daily lives. And sometimes politics can be sort of an afterthought. And so if you were talking to someone and they're like, I, I really only have the capacity to care about one of these offices to go canvas for one of these offices, what would your pitch be to them of like, this is why you should care about city comptroller more than any other office in the spring because this is what I'm going to do where this is the power of that office. How would you convince someone that this is the race to focus? Yeah. On? Well, and I'm, I'm, I'm having those conversations every day, uh, honestly. And uh, this office has... It it maybe doesn't have unilateral authority to enact changes, but its hand is in almost every single decision the city makes. So along with the other 
citywide elected officials um, like mayor and city attorney, this one has considerable sway over how these conversations go and how they how they eventually turn out. So my pitch would be to, to your listeners and to anybody who wanted to be involved is that we can do a considerable um, we can move the dialogue pretty considerably by having a progressive, a true progressive in the office of city comptroller. And so that's, and this office, it's, um, there's a lot of room to get involved with this race. It's, it's, um, the mayor's race has a lot of attention. And so this is one where somebody's actions can really make a difference. The more people, the more doors we get out and knock out and say, Alex Brower is running and they become convinced that they want to vote for me. Like that's, that's closer and closer to victory versus the, the bar is a lot higher for mayor. And even, you know, in, in some of these common council races, you know, some of those folks are, are really entrenched. This race right now is an open seat. The incumbent, unfortunately, has a um, has an illness and is not going to be running again. I actually thought I would be running against him, but he's not going to be running. Um, it's going to be an open seat. So every single hour of time that someone spends can be moved towards getting a really strong progressive in this office. And then we can have... Um, a voice at city hall that's really going to fight for working people. So I love what you said about how the bar is a lot lower to make change uh, just because of, you know, the turnout and people's attention on the city mm -hmm. comptroller rate. So just to contextualize the race for people, what is the typical turnout for uh, a city comptroller election? Yeah. It's not, it's not, that, it's lower, but it's not that much lower. So we have, um, what, what's been driving the turnout as far as the last city elections was the presidential preference primary. Right. Um, so if you look at the difference between 2012, because these, for your listeners, these offices are four-year terms. Every city, every city office is a four-year term. So common council, city attorney, mayor, um, all of those are elected in presidential spring of presidential election years. So in the spring of 2012, there was no democratic primary because Obama was running as the Democratic nominee, you you know, an individual could have gone and picked up a ballot and voted for him in the primary. Um, and a lot of people just didn't because they knew he was going to be the nominee. So the the turnout was a lot lower. And so in 2012, I believe we had around, um, I want to say around 80,000 people um, turning out in the comptroller's race. Hmm. Um, and then four years later, um, Excuse me, I take that back. We had about 60,000 people turn out in the comptroller's race. And then in the spring of 16, we had over 110,000 voters wow. in that race. Yeah. Well, it actually, I mean, which is a huge number, isn't it? Right. But it actually is lower than other citywide offices. The right. mayor's office, the mayor's race had a total turnout of 157,000 voters, mm. which was actually the highest. This may surprise your listeners. That was the highest turnout of any race on that ballot. Wow. There was even more people who voted in the mayor's race than voted in the Democratic presidential preference primary. So um, and that that says a lot because the Republican one was contested and the Democratic one was contested. So I actually think that that it says a lot about Milwaukeeans and how much they care. Yeah. And so that's I think that's great. Yeah. So you described yourself as a movement based candidate earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm curious, say you run and you don't win. How does the movement keep going? And particularly, how do people who are going to hear the, your message, if they buy in and they're like, I really like this Alex guy and what mm -hmm. he's saying, and I want to see these things happen. How do people continue this movement to enact change from not necessarily from the inside, but from the outside of the political system? Yeah. Well, I will argue that it is always easier to have people in positions of authority who are with you. Definitely. <laughs> so, Definitely. And, and as somebody who's fought, but I, um, you know, the, the fight never stops. 
the fight for the fight for change never stops. Um, and regular citizens, actually, there is a, actually a law that would allow regular citizens to enact legislation at the local level. So anything that I'm talking about, and I'm hoping this happens, gets picked up by regular people, even if I don't make it through. Um, although I will say that uh, I am a we are running a very vigorous campaign. Yeah, and we are on track, I believe, to winning this election next spring. So and so, let's talk about that then. If people want to get more involved in this campaign, mm-hmm. uh, where should they go? Who should they talk to, uh, etc.? Yeah, well. Um, your listeners can go to votefor.alexbrower.org. Uh, my phone number is on there. They can my direct cell phone number is on there. They can give me a call and they can get involved that way. Um, we have a Facebook page. Uh, it's um, Alex Brower for City Comptroller. They can check that out. Check out the content I've been putting out. Um, and we are doing. They can get involved in any aspect of the campaign they want. Um, my campaign manager Diango is here, and I'm sure you would appreciate a bunch of help. And uh, we they can we we are knocking on doors. We are going to community meetings. We are um, looking to put out some video content. We're looking to put out other web-based content. So there's there's actually a lot of ways that people can head out. We're looking at putting out a couple reports um, so that we can show voters that, you know, here's some details about what we're talking about. Love it. And so Bridge to City, we're all about action steps as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think obviously one is, you know, go vote in the election. And if mm-hmm. you want to go help the the campaign. Uh, but you obviously have a history that uh, goes well beyond just running for comptroller, and you've been a part yeah. of a lot of really incredible movements in Milwaukee and in, across the state. What is your, you know, one tangible action step for everyday people to get more involved in creating the community that they want to see? Yeah, I think they should be they should really strongly consider being a leader in their community. Um, so I think that the specific action is they should think about that yeah. and think about what is, what is really stopping me from being, um, a leader that's transformative. You know, I, <laughs> I was, a you know, I was, I was a really, I was a really shy kid when I was growing up. I was really shy and I was, I was really into just, you know, uh, uh, science fiction books and all that stuff. And I barely, I, I don't even think that I even talked to a girl until I was like halfway through high school. So, um, and I, you know, and now people would describe me as an extrovert and somebody's out there and all that, all those things were, you know, I, I forced myself to do those things so that I could be more of a leader, um, in this community, you know, and I, I just realized like, I have to go out and talk to people. You know, I gotta. I, I love reading and I love books. And I was like, I gotta put the book down and go have a conversation too. Right. Um, and I still love reading and all of those things. But, um, you know, that's what I would encourage people to do. Is your listeners to do is the action they can take is when they have a second to ponder, they should ponder how they can be a leader in their community for change. Well, Alex, thank you so much. One for being on Bridge of City, but more importantly mm-hmm. for obviously caring deeply about. Uh, our community and Mm -hmm. um you know being a real leader and thinking about what that means and uh you know running a a vigorous campaign to make change in the city we really appreciate that and and good luck going forward i really appreciate having me on call yeah thank you thanks well thanks for listening to episode 56 of bridge the city that was an election special with alex brower who is running for city comptroller Please check out myvote.we.gov to ensure that you're registered to vote and to make sure that you're aware of all primary and general elections upcoming uh, in 2020 and beyond. I want to thank Alex, one, for coming on the podcast, but two, for deciding that he wanted more of a say in how the government's run. 
and decided that um, in order to get change, sometimes you need people in positions of power inside the government as well as a, a broad movement outside. We thank Alex for getting more involved in his community, uh, and we thank all of you for listening. If you've enjoyed these Bridges City episodes, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. That helps other Milwaukeeans discover the podcast and take action in our community. So just a final reminder, myvote.we.gov. Please check out that website. Make sure you register to vote. Can't say that enough. Uh, Thanks for listening. And as always, thanks for helping bridge the city.